everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Windows Down with Rachel and Anthony. I'm Rachel. And I'm Anthony. But we have a very special episode today. In our first episode, we talked a little bit about ourselves and who we are. Um, And Anthony talked about how he is a veteran. He was in the Marine Corps. We'll go into all of that. Um, But Veterans Day is coming up. And so as we're kind of like rethinking what this podcast is going to be, we thought it would be cool to dedicate an episode to his veteran experience, his experience in the military. Um, And this is kind of going to be a little bit of like the format going forward too, is us kind of like coming here, just talking about different things, different topics. But we thought, you know, with Veterans Day, it would just be the perfect way to sort of switch gears. Yeah. So by the time you hear this, it'll probably be Veterans Day or yeah. it would have already passed. Yeah. I'm excited for this. I always think it's really interesting to hear about um, your military experience. And I feel like every time we talk about it, like, I mean, I had family in the military, but like it wasn't anybody close enough to me to like really know a lot about it so like i feel like every time you tell me stories and stuff like that i feel like i learn something new every time yeah well not much is off the table in this discussion so ask whatever you ask whatever you want yeah so i've put together some questions of my own and have also you know looked into like different topics we can talk about so yeah let's just jump right in talk about like just kind of overall you in the military who were you your branch just like kind of general information so i was in the united states marine corps um i got out as a sergeant Uh, i was a machine gunner initially but had a package put together so that i could go to raider school which was known as a marine recon for a while so um i guess you could considered me a raider i mean i did i went through the school i finished and everything so i am a raider i have the pen and everything so yeah i'm a marine raider a marine sergeant and now a marine veteran cool um when were you in between the years of 2012 to 2019 and tell us about like where you went like you know, boot camp was where, like, and then, then your different deploy, deployments. Yeah, so boot camp was in Paris Island, good old legendary Paris Island. For those that don't know, it's in South Carolina, and it's actually an island. You have to cross a bridge to get to it. Um, I went right out of high school. Uh, literally, like, I graduated in June, and then the very next week, like Monday, I shipped out. So... My senior drill instructor was, at the time, Staff Sergeant Matthews. My drill instructors were uh, Staff Sergeant Wilson for a while, Sergeant Enright, Sergeant Ariano, and Staff Sergeant Crake. Um, yeah, they, they always say you never forget your drill instructors, and that's that's true. I mean, I got ten years in, over 10 years in the service at this point, and I still remember them to, like, to this very day. So, um. So yeah, I you know went through that. I graduated. I didn't graduate top of my class or anything. There was a lot of different people from like all over the all over the East Coast. So that's the other thing. Like if you're born um, 
if you were born and raised, I think it's east of the Mississippi, you go to Paris Island. If you're west of the Mississippi, you go to uh, San Diego. Mm. So obviously being born in Massachusetts and raised in Massachusetts, I went to Paris Island. So, you know, with that, with all that out of the way, I uh, was able to come home for about 10 days, <laughs> literally 10 days, and immediately went to uh, School of Infantry, which is in North Carolina, at Camp Geiger, which is literally about five minutes away from Lejeune. Lejeune is like the big famous base that everyone knows about. Like when, they, you know, when you talk about the Marine Corps, it's like, oh, Lejeune. So, so everybody knows Lejeune, but we were at Camp Geiger for about two months or so. Went to Machine Gunner, the Machine Gunner uh, portion of uh, infantry school. It was a lot of fun. Um, the one thing that you get good at as a machine gunner is taking apart a gun very fast. And I mean like fast. So I got good at that. I don't... <laughs> I don't understand how that translates as a like civilian skill, but it, it's cool, I guess. It's like a it's like a party trick. I, I was guess just you about could say. to say it's a party trick. And so you were you did that, and then and then after that, I checked into my unit. So around this time, it's now like it's now January. It's like January, just like became January like second or something like that. And as soon as I checked in, you know, I went to the first sergeant's office, gave him my name. And he looks down at a list, and he's like, Rivera, okay, yeah, we compiled this roster last month with, you know, with all of our new Marines in mind. So you actually made the cut. And I'm like, okay, what, uh, what's the cut for, First Sergeant? He's like, you made the cut to go to Kandahar. And I'm like, that's, that's in Afghanistan. He's like, yep, going next month. I'm like, oh, oh, shit. So, you gotta remember, at this point, I'm not even 19 yet. I'm still 18 when all this is happening. So, I just got told, the second I got to my unit, that I was going to Afghanistan, which was a, like, a big, like, wake-up call. Like, a big wake-up call. So, I checked in to my unit, got acquainted with my squad leader, got acquainted with my team leader, who is, um, his name was, uh, Corporal Ryan Evans. Um, we'll get into that much later on, I bet, but only if you want to, we can. And Ryan was that he actually was born and raised in Massachusetts, which was like funny to find out, um, in Agawam, Massachusetts, which is like Western Mass. I, I used to like say to him, like, like, man, you're not a true Massachusetts native. You were born in Agawam. The fuck is that? So, you know, he used to give me shit. He was like the big brother of like the of the squad. Um, the fact that he wasn't a squad leader was a big shame. So I met him, met with the commanding officer, uh, Captain Murphy. And the excuse me, the platoon commander, not the commanding officer, the platoon commander. He, for whatever reason, liked to tag along with our fire team during like training and stuff like that so there's always like a big like a lot of pressure was put on our fire team in particular i think it was because he really enjoyed uh ryan like he enjoyed his company a lot so so yeah we got to hang around with a captain a lot which was like you know i was a 
that was a PFC. So hanging out with a hanging out with a captain is just like uh, I better not fuck up. <laughs> What's a PFC? Private first class. Mm, okay. So it's literally just the rank after private. Yeah, I went from being nothing to a first class nothing, basically. <laughs> Think of it like that. So I got to know them, got to hang out with them. Before we shipped off, I actually got to uh, go home for a little. And Ryan was also going home. He was married, so he was going home to go see his wife. I forgot to mention, my duty station was actually um, Camp Pendleton. I can't believe I forgot that at the beginning. But yeah, I was stationed in Camp Pendleton. I got orders for uh, three two, so that's um, that's third battalion, second marines. So Pendleton is actually um, in Oceanside, California. So the reason I went all the way out there to begin with is because I was actually going to be checking into Raider Battalion, not that long afterwards. But obviously, like this whole deployment popped off, and there's a saying in the Marine Corps: it doesn't matter what you have going on. The needs of the Marine Corps come first. So they need more people to fill slots for this deployment, which is why I got sent there. So before I could even go to Raider Battalion, I had to go through this deployment. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but before we even got to like go on our deployment, we actually got to go home for a bit. So me and Ryan decided to travel together. We went back to Massachusetts. He met his wife. So came home for a bit i was dating somebody completely different at the time didn't even know who rachel was so uh spent time with with her for a bit and spent time with my family and then we went back to our you know back to base and that's when they like all right like so this is what's happening so we're gonna fly to kuwait because kuwait is technically the safest place out there for us to land so we landed there, grabbed our stuff, grabbed our necessary stuff, and we all boarded a cargo holder. For those that don't know, a cargo holder is just a really big helicopter. Um, it also has machine guns on the side. So that's why we boarded that, because we, you know, we're going from flying in a, a safe place to flying in an active war zone to go land in Camp Leatherneck, which is out in Afghanistan. So got on the helicopter landed in um in afghanistan took no fire got out and then the the camp alarms actually started going off that day for those that don't know the camp alarm basically is just this really big loud alarm that screams incoming 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 and when that goes off you hit the fucking deck just get the fuck down so that's what we all did and again not even not even nineteen yet. This is all this is all going on as soon as I land. You know, my boots are on the ground. Finally, I land. We land, and that's going off. That's my introduction to Afghanistan. I'm just like, holy fuck, this is going to be a long ass deployment. Yeah. And then, literally a couple couple of days later, I turned nineteen. Finally, so I turned nineteen in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, happy birthday. Here's a here's a patrol. <laughs> So that was that was what I got to do on my nineteenth birthday. Yeah, the entire deployment was um was a clusterfuck. <laughs> it was it was at the tail end of like ground forces in Afghanistan. 
Because from then on, I will, um, the war started to be fought from the air. Uh, we started using drone technology a lot. So what my company was actually sent out to do, my um, our entire battalion actually, what we were sent out to do was to pull security. We were going to go around, grab whatever we could, capture whoever we could, and hightail that out of Afghanistan. You know, that that you know gave way for the U.S. to do whatever they needed to do from then on out. So, without getting into too many like logistics of it, it was um, it was just it was fast paced from the moment we got there. So then, I mean, we'll we can get into more detail later, or you know, however much detail you want to get into. But so you're deployed in Afghanistan for. 10 months nine about months. nine months yeah and then you came home where else did you go just kind of like brief overview like where else did, were you did you get to go when you were in the military so i also got to go to japan for a while um we got to climb mount fuji which is a non-active volcano in okinawa that was that was kind of fun japan is a really good like cultural place i didn't get to see much of japan outside of okinawa but i would love to go back i would love to go back like it's not even funny like the amount of time that i was there it was just like it was just peaceful for me um i also got to go to uh somalia so right off the coast of somalia that it was a naval ship and they needed security because at the time the whole thing with captain phillips was happening um, yeah, the Captain Phillips, that you know, the guy that got captured by Somalian pirates. So that whole thing was happening. And those guys are brave. They will board whatever ship they, they feel like it. So the U.S. Navy was actually afraid that they were going to be boarding this naval ship. They didn't want that. They did not want their ship to get taken. So they called the Marines to pull security for them. So... Japan, Somalia, Afghanistan are like among some of the places that I got to go like overseas. Mm -hmm. And then you were officially done when? So I was done active duty in like December of 2015 and I became a reservist in January of 2016. I was officially, officially done with the entire Marine Corps of December of 2019. Um, which, you know, for those that don't know, that was like right around the time coronavirus was popping yeah. off. So I got out, like my end date was December 29th, 2019. About a week later, that's when they were like, yeah, coronavirus is in the United States. I'm like, oh, great. This is going to become an epidemic. Sure enough, it did. Yeah. So... I got to transition during a pandemic because at that point, the uh, CDC and the World Health Organization announced it as a pandemic, not that long afterwards. Yeah. And that's when the governor shut down Massachusetts. Right. In March. In March. Right. So I went throughout my whole birthday, which is February 14th, by the way. Um, yeah, I'm a Valentine's Day baby. Um. So I got to spend my birthday by myself getting a tattoo and eating pizza a couple weeks, a couple weeks later. 
Shit hit the fan. Yep. So my transition was a rough one. Talk about your decision to join the Marines. How did you decide? And then what was it like to finally enlist? So funny enough, I was actually going to join the Army. The military is a big part of my family. My grandpa was a a Marine back in um, World War II. Um, He was at the Battle of Iwo Jima. And my dad was actually a Marine as well during Desert Storm. So he was, you know, he got sent there right after 9-11. But I was, and my cousin was in the Army. I was actually going to join the Army because they actually had the job I wanted, which was to be a canine handler. The day I went to the recruiting office, their door was locked. And I knew I didn't want to join the Navy. I wasn't going to go to the Air Force. So I was like, okay, their door is locked. I didn't even think about being a Marine. I knew about Marines, obviously, you know, being raised by them. Marine recruiter's like, yep, they're they're never there. Like, you want to come in here? And I'm just like, yeah, fuck it, why not? (laughs) Wait, your dad went... In 2001? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so the Marine Corps has a big, like, part in my family. So, spoke to the recruiter, and next thing I know, I'm (laughs) doing the oath of enlistment. So, you just, like, knew? Like, like when was it, like, a conscious decision of yours to say, like, yeah, I want to enlist? Like, that had to have been, like, in high school? Yeah, it was easily in high school. I know I didn't want to go to college. I didn't really want to have like a normal career. Like I didn't want to like have an office job or anything like that. I kind of wanted to be a cop for a while, but I wanted to like gain some experience before I became a police officer. Mm-hmm. So I thought the best way to do that was by becoming a military police officer, um, a, also a canine handler. So... It was around my junior year that I decided, yeah, I think I'm going to join the military. Mm, Okay. But yeah, like I said, it was originally going to be the Army. Why the Army and not the Marines? Uh, The Army, because the Army had the canine handler job that I wanted. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you've talked a little bit about boot camp. Mm -hmm. What were your first days at boot camp like? So they were really slow. Believe it or not. Really? Yeah. It's actually really slow. Like they would just like jump right into the. No, it's a lot of processing. So it's a lot of paperwork. A lot of. You you get like your gear issued to you. Uh, You get all your shots. You get what's called the peanut butter shot, which is literally a shot in your ass. It feels like you have peanut butter. Oh, God. In your ass. It's it's not fun. Ew. Yeah. It's like penicillin or some shit like that. But I think it's to like see if you're allergic. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know, but <laughs> you literally just go down a line and get like shots. So so weird. Wait, so, wh- how does it like? Is it when it's under your skin? It feels yeah. like peanut butter. Yeah. It's so bizarre. Yeah. So yeah, the first like couple of days are just a bunch of processing and stuff. Um, and then Friday hits. Friday in boot camp is called Black Friday. Oh God. Because that's the day you meet your drill instructors. So you, dun, dun, dun. so you spend you spend all week getting comfortable, getting acquainted, getting you know, getting some good sleep, eating good, eating you know not good food, but like the food there. Uh, you, you get whatever sickness you have out the way real fast, because come Friday, when you're sitting there, and your company commander says, "I will now introduce you to your drill instructors," 
It is then followed up by a loud forward. <laughs> and you're just like, oh shit, okay. Your drill instructors come marching in. You know, they do their whole uh, drill instructor's creed. The company commander walks away. And as he's walking away, you're thinking to yourself, please don't leave. They're going to kill me. <laughs> please don't leave me here with these people. And to put into perspective the um, the commanding presence that a drill instructor has, the very first words out of your senior drill instructor's mouth are, sit up straight and look at me. And you're just like, damn, I don't want to do this anymore. Is that like when it becomes real? Yes. Yeah. Because he goes through his whole speech and he's like, you know, the very first command that he gives you is actually to stand up and shake your feet out. So all, all you've heard is him talking and he's actually talking in a calm, calm tone. The initial sit up straight and look at me. He's like screaming at you because he wants you to, to do exactly what he's saying. Sit up straight and like look at him. It's afterwards when he says stand up and shake your feet out. That's when his drill instructors hop in. And that's when it's just like, oh shit, these guys are scary. Is that when they all start yelling? Yes. And I had the, I don't know if you could call it the fortunate or unfortunate honor. I don't know what you would call it. Um, three out of five of my drill instructors were all infantry. Why is that a big deal? Because they've all seen combat. And I know they've seen combat because they have what's called a combat action ribbon with a star, which means that they have seen multiple bouts of combat. So these guys are not only the best of the best, they are also the scariest of the scary. One in particular that seemed to have taken a liking to me was Staff Sergeant Wilson. I don't know why, but he was just on me all the time. And looking back, I'm kind of glad that he was because I feel like it definitely prepared me for what was to come in my career. So, yeah, boot camp was um, a culture shock for sure. What do you think people's biggest misconception about boot camp is? That's a lot of yelling. Like, you, I feel like a lot of people go into it thinking that they're just going to be doing push-ups all day. That's not the case at all. You do, you know, you do push-ups, you do your sit-ups, you do, you do all that. You know, you, you PT, which is physical training for those that don't know. Um, but a lot of it is actually knowledge-based. You're learning a lot of, like, Marine Corps history. You're learning what's called close order drill. So it's like how to stand in formation, how to march from one place to another. You learn you learn cadence, but you learn it um, vicariously. Like your drill instructors are always singing cadence. Um, so a lot of it is all discipline based. A lot of it is learning how to become a Marine. So it's not all just like push-ups. It's not just like, yeah. it's not what you think it is. It's not all yelling. Yeah, I feel like when people think of boot camp, they think of like just all those like obstacle course type yeah. videos we've all which, seen which you do you know you do at some point oh by the way for those that say i would punch a drill instructor in the face no the hell you wouldn't i don't know who would say that there's the amount of times that i've been told like yeah i was gonna be in the marines but i would punch a drill instructor in the face like shut up dude <laughs> shut up you've talked about this you know you've talked about your deployment and stuff not like in detail but what was it like, and if you want to talk about it in more detail, you can, but um, you kind of already answered my question, which was like, how did you 
find out you're being deployed? How did mm-hmm. you feel? Like, I mean, it sounds like it was just like this oh shit moment. Yeah. Uh, you know that feeling of like your heart going literally into your stomach? Yeah. That was the initial like, like the face left my color. And my first sergeant actually mentioned that he was like, color left your face. You mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was like, he was like, son, you're pale. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, uh, I, I just need a moment for a sergeant is what I said to him. Yeah. And in that moment, I was like, I'm not going to cry in front of this grown ass man, but I wanted Aww. to cry. <laughs> I bet I would have cried. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so it was just like, like, a, oh shit, I'm leaving the safety of my country. Yeah. Like, you know, you hear about, you hear about this shit on the news. You know, they just killed Bin Laden like a year prior. Yeah. So it was like, oh, like, this is, this is real. This is happening. Yeah. Like I said, I wasn't even 19 yet. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side of that, how was it coming home from that? Um, Very somber feeling. We had lost uh, a couple of Marines. So, like, the very first thing on my mind was to, like, attend their funerals and make sure that their families were okay. So it was a super somber feeling. And I had a lot of personal stuff going on, too. Um, Yeah. So we can get into that too, but it was just somber. Uh, I wanted to go back for a while. Really? Why? Yeah. I just came home and like, well, first of all, like there was construction everywhere. Um, restaurants had actually closed down. The mall was under construction. Like all the places that I would normally have gone to, like they all changed. So it just left me feeling kind of out of place. Mm-hmm. So it was like, all right, fuck it. Like if I'm nothing's familiar right now, so I want to go back to what feels familiar, which was combat. Yeah. Which is a really shitty feeling. Uh, I think a lot of people, a lot of veterans that have deployed can kind of attest to that. Yeah. So yeah, I just, it was somber. It was, it was melancholy almost. It was just like, like, get me, get me out of here. I I don't want to be here. Like this isn't the home that I left. And how was that for you? when i'm sure the people at home were happy to have you home like yeah it sucked i mean so the person i was dating at the time had actually um cheated on me while i was deployed yikes so i actually had to uh like confront her about that there was a whole there was like a whole thing like like she she was pregnant for a while um to this day, I'm not like 100% certain if it was even mine or not. She claims it was, but I don't know. The timeline was a little weird. Wouldn't she have like delivered a baby if it was yours? But she said she had an abortion. Oh, like while you were gone? Mm-hmm. I see. Which also like it kind of made me feel some type of way at the time too because it was like I, if it was mine, I kind of wish that we had talked about that somehow, you know? Like I was able, I was able to make phone calls while I was out there. Yeah. So you were dealing with coming home from going to war, mm-hmm. losing people close mm-hmm. to you who were there with you in Afghanistan, having this fucked up relationship, and losing what could have been your child. Yeah, potentially. I mean, that's yeah, that's so, a lot. Yeah. So it was a lot to deal with coming home, and even my dad. Like he, I think he, I feel like he tried his best to, you know given the fact that he was in Iraq. But even he, like, just didn't really understand. Yeah. 
How long was he in Iraq for? Not that long. It was only a couple months. Okay. Like, his unit was the one of the first that went, but they came back just as fast as they went, because mm-hmm. that's when they started sending, like, everybody. Like, everybody started going. Yeah. But, like, his time was coming up anyway around that time. Okay. Yeah, it was a lot. Uh, if you had asked me back then, I probably would have said, yeah, just send me back. Yeah. So. What kind of support do you wish you got while you were in the Marines? And now that you're not in the Marines anymore, like, um, what, what kind of support do you wish you had while you were in and after? So the big thing, the big thing with support is you kind of have to go looking for it. Um, I'm talking like mental health support. Yeah. I didn't think I had anything wrong with me for a while. I'm like, yeah, fuck that. I don't have PTSD. I was I was too prideful to admit that. Um, it wasn't until I tried to take my life that I was like, okay, I would like to see a therapist now. And I actually asked my sister, because she worked at um, the hospital, at Mass General Hospital. I was like, can you like try to get me a referral? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. And I was seen within a week. It's one of those cases of like, thank God it failed my attempt because in a weird way it saved my life. Yeah. Because it like made me realize like, okay, I should probably like be seeing somebody now. Yeah. So I started therapy. So that was like a game changer for me because I started to like come face to face with a lot of the stuff that was really fucking me up. So it helped. Um, aside from that, I think just having like a supportive partner, supportive friends, supportive family is like a big thing. Like obviously like my partner at the time cheated on me. Like that fucking sucks. You know, like here I am holding people in my arms that are dying and she's over here in bed with some other dude. Like that, that fucked me up. I think having a supportive partner, having family that un, like not understands because nobody's gonna understand. Just, just people that can offer you like empathy, sympathy, anything, is important. So, I'm a firm believer that we should be doing more for our troops. We should be doing more for our our veterans. In terms of like support and mental health. Yeah, because I mean, I feel like even just, you know, from what I've seen, like secondhand from you, like you've only recently really gotten involved with the VA. It's been frustrating for me to like, as your partner, watch how all of a sudden they like care about what happened to you. You know what I mean? Like, it just feels like like you said, like you have to seek it out. And like, that just feels so wrong because here you are being indoctrinated, indoctrinated into this whole thing. And then you're done and it's like, all right, like have a nice life. Yeah. Hope, hope we didn't fuck you up too bad. And if we did, I mean, we're here, but we're not going to check on you. So yeah, you better call us and schedule an appointment when it's like, let's be real. Like if for somebody who is struggling with PTSD or anything like that, it's like, I can't even, 
I can't sit here and pretend I know what that's like, but it's like you would think that with everything that hap- that's happened with veterans for decades, it's like, why are they not more proactive? It's infuriating to me. Yeah. So, like I said, I, for, for a while, I just didn't like get the help. Um, it wasn't until I was connected with a social worker through the VA, like from my psycholo- from my psychologist, she put a recommendation in for me to be seen by a social worker who just so happened to work at the VA. This social worker went to help and back for me to get me everything I needed, my medication, um, like any kind of treatment I needed. She went to hell and back for me. Uh, so that is why, like, to this day, that I want to be a social worker at the VA. I think it would be huge, a huge, huge thing for the VA to somehow get social workers on bases. Mm, yeah. Like, have an on-base social worker. Have a couple. Have a few, Right. Do they not have that? They don't, and they should, because it is important for these kids, because they're kids when they leave, believe it or not. Like, a lot of Marines, a lot of veterans, they get out early. Yeah. Because the culture's so fucked in the military. Like, things are so fucked. They don't know the first thing about how to make an appointment at the VA. Well, not to mention, like, even when you were completely, completely done with the military... You're only 26. Exactly. That's like as if somebody, you know, who works regular career retires. People normally retire at 65. Mm -hmm. Here you are, quote unquote, retiring at 26. Like, that's when most people are starting their life. Exactly. You've already been through so much at that age. Yeah. So, but you don't have a lot of those kind of just like general life. So that's why I think like we should have like social workers from the VA on bases to like, and it should be like a part of the the out processing. Like, okay, you're yeah. getting out. Like, come meet me. You're going to spend an hour with me, and I'm going to point you to the nearest VA. We're going to set you up appointments, and you're going to attend these appointments. Yeah. That's how I think it should be. So, I don't know. I don't know if I can somehow get my foot into something like that, but that's something that I would love to do. Yeah. What is your advice to people thinking of joining? I mean, hey. I'm not one to like convince people to not join. I think joining is a big, like a cool thing. I think joining is like, it's a big decision. But if I had to offer advice, I'd say just really think about it. Like think about what it is you want. Like don't go into the, don't go into the military thinking you're going to work one job because you're probably going to work something completely different. There's a, a kid in our church actually that, expressed interest to me that he wants to join and i've kind of been like meeting with him every now and then he texts me every now and then just asks me like random questions about the marine corps all the time and i think one of the first things i said to him was like you know what's what are you looking to do he said he wanted to do something with like mechanics like you know with welding and stuff like that because he welds um i told him okay my advice to you is have three jobs that you want to do Think of those three jobs while you're taking your um, ASVAB test. That's your vocational test. It's a, it's a basically like a placement test. Like think SATs, but for the military. Um, passing score is like 32. So it's like, 
it's hard to fail. So think of three jobs you want to do and make sure you get the score for all three, which means pass the damn thing, like pass it with flying colors. That way you'll get whatever job you want. So that was my advice to him. Like, think about three jobs you want to do and study for the damn ASVAB. Oh, and start running. <laughs> How did um, your family respond when you said you were going to enlist? They found out the day that I, like, did it. You didn't tell them ahead of time? I didn't tell <gasps> them. Oh, my God. Yeah, so they found out when I got home and had, like, the contract with me, and it how was signed. Did, how did they react? My mom my mom cried. Oh, my God. I, I would have cried. Yeah, like, my mom cried, and my dad was, like, like his face kind of just, like, lit up. He was just like, shit, not him, too. Wow. Yeah. Oh my, what did your sister say? She, like, was kind of proud. <laughs> Yeah. She was like, oh shit. Like, like, I feel like if anybody could do it, it'd probably be you. So she was like hyping me up from the beginning. So, wow. so yeah, to her credit, she was always like a big fan of mine. So she was hyping me up and she was doing her best to try to keep my parents from like having strokes. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were, they were understandably scared. Right. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that you never told them. Yeah, anybody. I didn't tell them shit. You didn't even tell, you didn't even like express interest? I didn't say anything. Even Alex didn't know. Alex is my best friend for those who don't know. Did your girlfriend know? Nope. <gasps> I told nobody. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. I'm glad I didn't know you at that time. I would have <laughs> smacked you across the face. <laughs> <laughs> well, trust me, she, uh, she was upset. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's your favorite memory of the Marine Corps? Mm. Probably the very first barracks party I ever went to because I got I got really drunk. <laughs> well, can't you drink at eighteen on when you're in the military? Nope. I thought you could. No. I thought it was like the the age for drinking in the military was eighteen. No, it's twenty one. <laughs> Where did I hear that? It's like a twenty one is like the is that like a standard. wives' tale? I think so. Twenty one is like the standard, but I mean like. Who the fuck is going to ask me on base? Like every, ask anybody, ask the damn Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps. He'll tell you if you're old enough to enlist, you're old enough to fucking drink. Who no, gives a I, fuck? Okay, maybe I'm like confusing in my head. I feel like I'm thinking of like conversations I've had with my mom where it's like, why can you? Yeah, I feel like I'm getting that from her when she would be like, why can you enlist in the military, but you can't drink yeah. at 18? Because like my parents were, our parents were of the age where right around the time that they were would have been legal to drink they um, changed, it changed to the age to 21 yeah. yeah anyways um okay so your barracks party yeah i got really really drunk and passed out outside woke up with a couple of holes next to my head and some throw up in them i love how that's your favorite memory but like it doesn't sound like you remember it very much i remember <laughs> some of it. it like i remember it and the reason it's my favorite is because it was like a true introduction to the brotherhood that you yeah, create. Like a rite of passage. Yeah. Of. So so that was a lot of fun. Um I'd say outside of that though, my favorite memory would have to be climbing Mount Fuji. Cause Mount Fuji's a bitch. 
it is it is hard it's tall as fuck <laughs> okay so we started from the base made our way to the top you would think i had climbed mount everest when i got to the top because i screamed the top of my lungs <laughs> Like I did the whole Leonardo DiCaprio, like I'm the king of the world. <laughs> People are telling me, like, dude, shut the fuck up. But that was awesome. The view up there is it's beautiful. Like Japan and the entire world really just has a different perspective when you're up higher. Yeah. It makes you almost like you just like I I regret not taking pictures too, but I got so caught up in that moment of like, wow, like this is the world. This is this is our world. Like, let me just soak this in. Yeah. But yeah, it was. That has to be my like favorite. If it's not the barracks party, it's definitely that. What word or phrase will never be the same now that you've served? I have one for myself, just from what you've told me. Well, let's hear yours. The word lights. <laughs> yeah. So. So in boot camp. <laughs> in boot camp when when we're all sleeping we have what's called the fire guard um and they do fire fire watch i don't know what kind of fires you're looking for but basically you're just up all night patrolling the barracks you know you're just walking in between racks making sure everybody's sleeping making sure nobody's killing themselves literally you're going in the bathroom which is called the head by the way and you're making sure nobody's hanging in there too so um, basically it goes into hour increments. You know, one person wakes up at like 3 a.m. And they have fire watch from 3 to 4. 4 a.m. is usually Revly, which means it's the time we wake up. So right before Revly, one of the, so there's two fire, fire guards. One person is up at the desk. Another one is going around waking everybody up like, hey, uh, lights are about to be in... 30 seconds once you get to the 10 second mark the fire guards start counting down 10 9 8 7 6 you get all the way down to one and they scream at the top of their fucking lungs lights 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 <laughs> and they turn the lights on and I'll, I'll never forget one day this person screamed it so obnoxiously that my senior drill instructor walks on he's like shut the fuck up <laughs> it was so funny it was just like, damn, yeah, he woke up on the wrong side of the bed because I sure as fuck did too. <laughs> but what a phrase that's never going to be the same for me, I guess it would probably be lock it up. What's that? Well, what do you think it means? Lock up your gun? No. What? It means shut up. Oh. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, so I, I think it would probably be lock it up. I mean, that sort of makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right. When you were first discharged, what are some things about civilians that were difficult for you to deal with? <laughs> um, it, it was harder after active duty because as a reservist, you you kind of you're a civilian like every other day of the yeah. of the month when you're not at drill. So, um, going from active duty to reserves was hard because it was like. People in California drive different than they do in Massachusetts. So I was angry a lot. <laughs> well, was that because of like being active duty or is that just because Massachusetts versus California? Both. I was angry a lot 
Um, I felt like people were driving like idiots when they would just be driving. Uh, I also got mad at people that walked really fucking slow. And the biggest pet peeve of mine, which is still a big pet peeve, was when people didn't use the other door. <laughs> Wait, and that has to do with the military? Yes, because stupid motherfuckers will congregate to one door as if there isn't a second door. And then they'll wait for the people and to you go got, through, and then and they go And you got through. dumb motherfuckers trying to go the same way. So you got two idiots, uh, two groups of idiots, going down a one-way street. It's like, dude, open the door. <laughs> There's a door to your right. Open it. And this happens on campus a lot. Yeah. And, like, you would think that I just, like, pulled a fucking rabbit out of my ass when I... <laughs> When I open that door and people are like, oh, oh there's a whole other side yeah, I could it's just be like, using. Like, how are you in college? How are you in college? And like in the military, it's like, how do you have your rank? <laughs> you're, you're a fucking corporal. What are you doing? Open the door. So that was, that was always hard. It became a lot worse in civilian life. Well, I know one for you too is like timeliness. Yeah. Oh my God. Let's not even go there. It's like something that the military is notorious, especially the Marine Corps is like notorious for is the game of hurry up and wait. You have a gun range going off at zero seven at seven a.m. So why the fuck am I up at three a.m.? <laughs> what am I going to do? What am I going to do for the next four hours, for the next five hours, however long it is? What am I going to do? Why am I up right now? I could be sleeping. What did you do? Sit there? Yes. <laughs> Literally all I did. Couldn't go back to sleep because you'd get yelled at. No, it's funny because I think you made me a more timely person. Like I used to be notoriously late for work, late for late for everything. Like and not like egregiously late, but mm -hmm. like I used to show up to work like pre-pandemic every single day, like probably twenty minutes late, which yeah. is like that's pretty late. Yeah, especially to be doing it every day. But it's funny because like I've definitely gotten better. I feel like actually i feel like remote work helped me get better because it was like we're all on zoom meetings like there's no reason i should be late to a zoom meeting you know what i mean right um but it's funny because i feel like we could be driving somewhere like we go to church it's at 10 30 if we get there at 10 27 i think we're still on time church hasn't started yet but for you i feel like if we don't get there at 10 15 we're late mm -hmm. it's like at 10 15 people haven't even started going in yet yeah I, <clears throat> so the biggest reason that that's a thing is because it's all about respect. Oh, for sure. Um, and I'm like that with dinner reservations too. I mean, you know. Yeah. Like we got reservations at seven. We're there at six forty-five. Yeah. No, and I, I definitely like, like I said, I think you've, you've definitely made me more of yeah. that. And I do think it is a respect thing. I think when you're, yeah, the, when you're constantly late, it's just like, do you respect my time? Yeah. I don't the, know. The, the big thing. The big saying is if you're on time, you're late. If you're early, you're on time. Yeah. So that's that's always I, I've taken that and run with it like as a life philosophy. Yeah. And I, like I do, I'm like that with my bills, with school, with everything. I mean, I'm submitting papers that are due like two weeks from now. Right. And it's like, you know what? Like now I don't gotta worry now I don't have to worry about it for two weeks. Yeah. 
Now I don't got to worry about the fact that my car payment was due on the 20th and I paid it on the 1st. Right. It's just kind of how I live. And I've noticed that I'm in less trouble now because of that. And like, I'm not talking like trouble with the law, but just like trouble in general. Yeah. What are some habits you developed in the military that you like? And what are some that you dislike? Um, Sounds like that's one that you like. Yeah. One that I dislike because it's like a OCD thing is filling my water to the top. <laughs> um, if you know, you know. If you don't, I'll tell you. In boot camp, yeah, a lot of things from boot camp tend to stick. You get canteens. And you have to fill those canteens to the very tip top. So when you do, you bring them back online. And the drill instructors tell you to shake them. And you shake them. And if the drill instructors hear the empty spaces, they will make you drink that entire canteen <laughs> and fill it up again. It reminds me of Holes when she's like, do you hear, hear the, the empty em yeah, spaces? It's a legit thing. <laughs> so I do that with my waters now. I'll fill them to the very top, like in a water bottle, to the top, every single time. You do, actually. Yeah. To the very top. That's funny. Oh, my God. Wait, that is actually funny because when you fill my water bottles. It's to the top. It's to the top. And that one that I used to always bring to work, it's it would always leak. Mm -hmm. Like that water bottle leaks really easily. And I would always be like, it leaks every time you fill it up for me. But now that makes sense. To the top. It's a it, it's a yeah. habit that I, like, I don't know. Yeah. So it was like by the time you screwed on the lid and everything was Some in it, it was, it was like, yeah. you know, it was so full that it was kind of coming out. Yeah. Oh, that makes so much more sense now. So, yeah, that's a habit. I, like, I don't know. I'm still trying to kick it, but it is what it is. It's an annoying habit. Yeah. I'm so, like, the, I'm so like the worst one you could have. I mean, you should see Jaden fight me on it. It's so funny. He's like, why do I have to fill it to the top? And I'm like, fill it <laughs> to the top. <laughs> so we're going to switch gears a little bit to like relationships. Mm -hmm. um, what was difficult or has been difficult to communicate to family and friends about your military service? Um, Just combat. Mm -hmm. Like, I was upset with my family for a long time because I had a cousin who went bungee jumping around the same time that I uh, deployed. And they started using words like brave and, oh my God, you're a hero. You're an inspiration to describe this cousin. For bungee jumping. For bungee jumping. Yeah. And that didn't sit well with me. I was like, okay, like I feel really underappreciated right now. Um, Like y'all don't really understand what I'm going through. And you guys aren't really trying to understand. I have a much different perspective now in life. I think anybody that can tell themselves, yeah, I'm going to bungee jump or I'm going to I'm gonna skydive, I'm going to do this, that, or whatever, good for you. Those are terrifying experiences in their own right, for yeah. sure. Um, Not for the faint of heart. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, if you had asked me like 10 years ago, I'd have been like, no, fuck you. But now it's like, hey good for you like you conquered a fear if that's a fear you have if you didn't you're a daredevil like that's awesome that's, that's pretty freaking cool so i think they just didn't understand what i was going through so that was really hard to convey sometimes yeah do you still feel that way now 
Uh, not with my like parents and my sister. I think with my extended family, they're just never really going to understand, except for my cousin who was in the army. Yeah. Um, and another one of my cousins is actually married to an army veteran, so I think she's starting to understand a little bit too. Yeah. For your children, mm-hmm. what do you want them to know about your military service? Whatever they want. I mean, Jaden's getting to the age where he's actually starting to ask. Like, he asked me a couple of months ago, like, like, oh, who'd you fight in war? That just like kind of froze. I'm like, ah, it's the enemy. That's who I fought. <laughs> America's enemy. I think is what I said to him. Yeah, I, I like, I don't know. I'm starting to get to the point where I think he's old enough to know like what I went through. Uh, so if he's curious, like I'll answer questions. Yeah. But yeah, it's really if they want to know. Like I, I don't want to go around like bragging to them or like sound like I'm yeah. bragging or anything like that. I think it's important for my kids to know every everything about me. Yeah. So really, whenever they want to know. What advice do you have for partners to either active duty or, you know, veterans? Like, um, what would you, I mean, you like, what advice would you give me? What advice would you give anybody about oh, so the being big, a supportive yeah, partner? The big one is don't cheat. Like, I, I get it. It's hard. Um, I get it. You got needs too. Like, and those needs aren't being met for nine months. But just understand, at the same time, my needs are also not being met for nine months. Just like you're not getting laid, I'm not getting laid. Yeah. I'm over here wishing I could talk to you, but I can't. Whatever you're going through, I'm also going through. Obviously, you're dealing with a much different environment than I am and vice versa. But be supportive, be there. Because if you can give an active duty military member all of your support, you're going to get all of that back and then some. All we want is just support. That's all we want. What, like, and I guess for, I mean, either for active duty or for like veterans and stuff, like what does support look like? Just let me, let me vent. Sometimes all I want to do is vent. Yeah. Obviously, like, step in where need to. Like, if I'm going off the deep end, like, you know, you got my permission to call whoever you need to call. Mm-hmm. But just let me vent. Let me talk. Let me let me do what I need to do to feel better that isn't, like, harming myself or somebody else. Yeah. Just, just be there for me. Like, if I'm crying on the floor, sit next to me and just, like, hold my hand. Yeah. Like, that's all we want. We just want to be told like it's okay we're gonna get through this it's all we want i guess like even as your partner i i didn't necessarily understand like even when we met i didn't realize it was so recent that you were like done with the military and i feel like that's because when i think about your service i think about the fact that you were deployed but that was all the way back in 2013 2014 Mm -hmm. so I guess I feel like, you know, you and I have talked about how like at this point it seems like you still are processing the fact that you're not in the Marines and, you know, you're not active anymore. Mm-hmm. And like I see you watching your TikToks of like, you know, boot camp and, you know, just like all this stuff like I, I like you, you clearly enjoy that and you, you know, yeah, rightfully so. So that being said, like, how do you see the military 
playing a role in your life going forward because it it does seem like it always will yeah definitely will um again understandably so rightfully so that's big, deserved the big thing like i said uh, earlier on is i want to help out i want to give back somehow i can't do that anymore in the confines of the military so i'm going to somehow try to merge what i can from my civilian life into what is left of my military life i like that um and i think that is with the va somehow getting the va to be better to do better and just like reaching out to veterans because they're not going to come looking you know they they need it's it sounds cliche but like we need to go knocking on their doors yeah so i think i think that's how it'll play a role like veterans will tend to open up to veterans more yeah because there's that like shared experience mm -hmm. so any veteran that is like well you don't understand it's like well actually i do yeah like i've i've done the deployments i've been through combat like you know here's my here are my awards so yeah any final thoughts i think the last thing i kind of want to leave people with is um the motto of the marine corps is always faithful the motto for the marine raiders is always forward so that is something that i carry with me very deeply those two words always forward because again during a period in my life a very dark period in my life i did not want to be alive um i remember thinking back while i'm like you know being sectioned like damn this sucks like i was on top of the world for a while and now here i am well shit i can't go back the only thing left to do is to go forward and funny enough like i look at my uh I uh, get my uh, my Raider device, and there it is, the motto in Latin. I can't think of what it is now in Latin. But there it is, always forward. Just keep marching forward. And that can mean anything. You know, it can literally mean I just got to go forward for one more mile. But it could also mean, you know what, I'm going through a lot of shit right now. I'm going through mud, but at least I'm going. Yeah. I'm not stopped. So, for anybody that's, like, struggling, just remember, always forward. Well, thank you for your openness and sharing all this stuff. Of course. Thanks for giving me the platform. Of course. All right. Well, this wraps up our Veterans Day edition of Windows Down. Thank you for listening. And, yeah, you want to send us out? We'll be here hopefully sometime next week. <laughs> same time, same place. We'll pick you up next week. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Ta ta for now. Bye bye.